1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 9. Um, if you are able and willing, would you stand with me as I read the word of the Lord? 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy, thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. Now, I'm not, I'll, I'll get this in a minute, but he didn't ask Elijah what the children of Israel are doing. He asked him, what are you doing here? Isn't that like we are? And he says, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that, the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Let's pray. Father, I ask you to touch me tonight. Lord, I know it is Wednesday night, Lord, in the middle of a busy week. Some have worked every day and they're tired. Their bodies are tired. Their minds are tired. And Lord, there's more work to be done before this week's over. But I pray now for a moment that like Elijah, Lord, we would be still and calm and quiet that we had listened for that still, small voice to speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we might ask ourselves that very same question. What are we doing here? And Lord, I pray if there's one lost tonight, that the Word of the Lord would prick their heart, convict them of their sin, they might be saved tonight. And Lord, if there's one, Lord, like unto Elijah, discouraged his heart and ready to give up, I pray tonight, Lord, you'd stoke the fire of their heart. And Lord, help them to get right with you and get back on the firing line. We love you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I, I'm not going to re rehash everything, but you know what's going on here. Elijah has come to a place where he's wanting to die. He asked the Lord to let him die. He said, take my life. It's enough. I've had all I can take. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And aren't you glad the Lord doesn't take our resignation every time we turn it in? <laughs> and uh, and uh, Brother Willard said one time he threw in the towel and he said the Lord threw it right back at him. Yeah. Amen. But Elijah's there, and, and, and I mentioned the manifold reasons for giving up, and I'm not going to rehash that, but there's a lot of different things, and it's rarely one thing that causes somebody to give up and to quit and to um, stop serving the Lord. It's normally a multitude of things. And, uh, I, and sometimes, um, you know, it just takes a little spark uh, to light a bomb. And, 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 and a lot of times what really ha when people really blow up and blow out of church or blow out of the will of God, uh, it's not that little thing, it's the culmination of a lot of things. That little thing is what set them off. And uh, last week we looked at the merciful remedy for Elijah and how the Lord, despite the fact that Elijah had given up and despite the fact that he wanted to die, the Lord sent an angel there uh, to touch him and to feed him and to water, give him water and strengthen him. And, uh, and I thank the Lord for that tonight, that the Lord doesn't give us what we deserve. And, uh, and, and not only that, I thank the Lord that He doesn't always give us what we desire. 
because Elijah desired the Lord would take his life. But instead of taking his life, the Lord did the opposite. He gave him nourishment to, to, to strengthen his life. And, uh, you know, we do not know all the time what's best for us. And I would say most of the time we don't know what's best for us. But I'm thankful the Lord gives us what we need, when we need it, and the way we need it. So tonight we read, and I want to look tonight at the miraculous recovery of Elijah. You say, what do you mean by miraculous recovery? I say that because most of the time, or I'd say the majority of the time, when people get to that place where Elijah was, that a lot of times they never recover. Uh, and Brother David, he's pastored, and Brother Tacker, and Brother Mike, they've pastored longer than I have. And, and I'd be willing to say, if you were to ask each one of these men, uh, for every one uh, that they saw walk away from God and give up on God, I'd say there's very few, there's some, but there's few. For, for every ten that goes out, there might be one that ever makes it back. And Elijah, though, he made it. He, God did not let him, he did not leave him there. And the fact is, Elijah did not stay there. He recovered from this situation. You know, the devil will tell us that, that the way things are is the way things will always be. And you know, that's where we get discouraged. Because the devil convinces us that the way things are, however they are right now, there's no changing. There's going to be no difference. There's, no, there's not going to be any new doors open. There's not going to be any more opportunity. And it's all over. And, and we are better off just not even trying because trying doesn't help. Trying ain't going to make things better. And uh, the fact of the matter is, though, tonight, that God was not done with Elijah. And I want you to know God's not done with you and God's not done with me. And, and, and he meets him here, and, and Elijah came back from a horrible fall. Now, the, in verse number nine, Eli, the Lord asked the Lord asked the Lord asked the Lord asked Elijah a question. He said, "What doest thou here?" So, if you want to recover tonight, here here's a couple of things that happened in these verses that helped Elijah to get back. The first thing is there was interrogation. The Lord said, Elijah, what doest thou here? Now, I want to say this tonight. God never asks a question for information. He's omniscient. God, you know the old saying is, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? And, and, and so God's not asking Elijah, what doest thou here? Because God knew what he was doing. I'll tell you what he was doing there. You want to know what he was doing there? Nothing. I want you to know, God didn't save me and He didn't save you to do nothing. And here He is hiding in a cave in Horp and, and, and the Lord says, Elijah, what doest thou here? God never asked a question for information. He asked it for education, not for His part, but for the one's part that He's asking. Do you understand that? Genesis 3, 9. Uh, the Lord come to the garden in the cold air and He says, Adam, uh, where art thou? The Lord knew where Adam was, but God wanted Adam to know where he was. And listen to me, Adam was a fallen sinner there. And I want you to know, before a person can ever get saved, they have to admit where they are. That's what the Lord, before Adam could be restored, before Adam could be forgiven, he had to acknowledge the fact that he had fallen, that he had sinned. In fact, he asked Eve, he said, what didst thou? He said, what did you do? If God didn't know what she had done, He wouldn't have been there to begin with. Right. He, he asked her, 
He asked her what she had done so that she so she could so she could acknowledge what she had done. And here is the same situation. What doest thou here? Now, I've never seen this before, but and if I'm wrong, you can correct me. I, I appreciate it if you do it in a cordial way after church, privately, and then I'll stand up and acknowledge and make. But if you can find this, and I want to be right more than I want to be respected and all that. I'd rather be right. But I do not find anywhere where God told Elijah to go to Mount Horeb. You can look right there and read it. I've read it a bunch, thought about it a bunch. The Bible says in verse number 7, well, in verse number 4, he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested of himself that he might die. Now, would everybody admit that God never told him to go to Beersheba and never told him to sit down? That's, that's, I believe that's true. I believe. Now, the angel of the Lord fed him and he woke him up and fed him again. He said in verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Do you see Horeb mentioned anywhere in those verses? I do not find it. Maybe it's somewhere in the Hebrew, Latin, Greek, somewhere, but, but I don't see it. He never, he, all he said was, you need to eat some more because I've got a job. I've got a journey you're about to go on and you're going to need to eat more. But then the Bible says in verse 8 that he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. I don't see anywhere where God told Elijah to go to Mount Horeb. Here's what I believe. Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai was a sacred place to the people of the Hebrew people. It was at Mount Horeb, at Mount Sinai, where God appeared to Moses in that burning bush. It was on Mount Sinai where God gave him the law, gave Moses the law. It was on Mount Sinai where uh, God hid uh, uh, Moses in Exodus 32 and 33, hid him in the cleft of the rock. I believe it was in the same cleft that Elijah was in. I believe Elijah thought, I'm going to go back to that, that, that memorial place, that place where, uh, that, that, that sacred place. He, he went to Horeb, but regardless, he went there and he went there of his own volition. I don't find anywhere. God didn't want him there. God, we'll find out where God wanted him later on. Now listen to me. He ran for one day and he come to Beersheba. And God met him there. God touched him. He fed him. He didn't rebuke him. Didn't reprove him. But now 40 days he's ran. And that's the way backsliding is. It went from one day to 40 days. And Elijah's not getting closer to where God wants him to be. He's getting further from where God wants him to be. Now I want you to know that we serve a merciful God. And if God busted us on the head every time we took a step away from Him or out of His will, then we would all of our heads would be busted right now. But there is a line where God will say, enough is enough. You've ran and you've ran and you've ran, but you can run no longer. And now here we are, and, Elijah, and the Lord said unto Elijah, What doest thou here? Why are you here? Have you ever asked your kids, What are you doing? What's the number one? If you was on Family Feud, and they were to say, a poll a survey recently was asked 100 people, when you ask your kids, What are you doing? What is the response? Beep, beep, beep. And you say, Nothing. Ding. Number one answer. Am I right, parents? You come in there and, 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 and all of a sudden something hits the floor and, and things is, and you hear, and then, 
And they're, they're sitting there. What are you doing? Nothing. Or nothing. Did you know this? Listen to me. Did you know as long as you're living, that you are never not doing anything? Right now, you're doing something. Even when you're asleep, guess what you're doing? You're sleeping. And when you go, when you're walking, you're breathing, you're thinking, you're always doing, there's never a time. So the next time the kid says nothing, you say, you're a lie. You're, you're doing something. But God speaks to Elijah. Now remember the first time he comes to him at Beersheba, it's, he's showing him mercy and grace, giving him food and water and touching him and all that. But now there's no food, there's no water, there's no touch. I'll tell you what it is, it's a stern rebuke. And God's telling Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? This is not where you belong. This is not where I've called you to be. This is not. Israel needs you now more than they've ever needed you. And you're up here on Mount Horeb hiding in a cave. Elijah, what doest thou here? And I want to ask you tonight, I want to ask myself tonight, what doest thou here? If you're out of the will of God tonight, what are you doing out of the will of God? If you're not in, in fellowship with God tonight, why, why are you not in fellowship with God? If your heart's cold tonight and you're not uh, talking to the Lord and communion, if you're not praying, if you're not reading your Bible, if there's no witness going out from your life, if there's no love for the church, if there's no dedication to the things of God, if there's no service, if there's no work for God, if you're not laying up treasures above, if you're not doing something for God, then what doest thou here? He said, what doest thou here? F.B. Meyer said this, God had often spoke to him before, but he had never spoken to him in the same tone. It was a stern and reproving remark. It seems to mean thou art my servant, thou art set to do my will. If ever thou wast needed, it is now. The tide is on the turn. A great reformation is ripe. Why hast thou left thy post? How camest thou hither without my bidding or my leave? You say, Brother Martin, how do I know if I'm out of the will of God? Well, I want to ask you something tonight. Where you are right now, and you're, are you there? Are you there because God bids you to be there, or are you there on your own? Have you ever asked yourself, what am I doing? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I? How, I mean, I don't want you to raise your hand, but, but I've had several tests since Sunday. Anybody else? I've had a bunch of them. I keep saying, Lord, how many times do I got to pass these things? But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that it's good for us. I believe it's healthy for us, if you would, spiritually, to, to examine ourselves and ask ourselves these questions. Where am I and what am I doing where I am? Amen. What doest thou here? I mean, if you're a member of this church, I'll ask you this. What doest thou here? Are you just here to be here? Are you just a part of it to be a part of it? Are you just here because you've always been here and, and you don't know what have anywhere else you'd rather be than here? Or, 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 or are you here? Are you here doing God's will and, and, and helping and contributing and praying and witnessing? And, and, and listen, we're all here. If we're here in the will of God, we're here for a reason. But if you're out of the will of God, I ask you, why, what doest thou here? Why the one who saved us, who saved us, we were on our way to hell, and He stepped between us and hell and saved us. He pulled us up out of a... In fact, one man said Elijah was a prodigal prophet. 
And there's several in the Bible. Jonah, Peter, others. He was a prodigal prophet running away from God. 41 days he'd been uh, running from God, doing his own thing. And, 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 and after all he has seen, I think about that question, what and then doest thou here? I mean, Elijah had no excuse. I mean, Elijah, God had been good to Elijah. Elijah took, God took Elijah from Tishbite. He took Elijah to Tishbite from nothing. Bust him on the scene. He come out swinging, amen. I mean, he come out swinging, landing haymakers, preaching and prophesying, calling fire down from heaven, raising the dead. Elijah had seen God do great and mighty things. Elijah had seen God answer prayer. Elijah had seen fire fall from heaven. Elijah had seen a widow's son brought to life. Elijah had seen a barrel of meal and a crucible not go dry. Elijah had seen a raven come every day and feed him and a brook never go dry even though there was a three year, three and a half year drought. Elijah had seen God time and time and time again. Elijah what doest thou here? I want you to know this. I've seen God move in my life. I've seen Him answer prayer in my life. I've seen him save my children. I've seen him help my home. I've seen him touch my wife. I've seen him move in our church. I've seen him save people that other folks said they'd never be saved. I've seen him do it, but so why do, what do us, I, what am I doing here? <clears throat> Interrogation. And then, see, as long as he's in that cave, he can do nothing for God. The devil had him just where he wanted him. You see, and I, I've everybody, we always think that the devil wants to get us into some hard sin. Dope. Now don't get me wrong, he'd be happy when you be on. I mean, I'm not saying. But it's not, it's not a, Mount, was, is Mount Horeb a bad place? I mean, is it a bad place? Is there anything wrong with that cave? I don't believe there's anything wrong with the cave. It's not bad, but it ain't the will of God. And, I'm, and, and listen, I'm telling you, our greatest enemy ain't the bad. It's that, that's that not bad, but it ain't right for us. And, 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 and he says, what doest thou hear, Elijah? Now, there's interrogation, verse 10. I want you to see there's rationalization. He tries to make rationalize why he's there. Best thing we could do is just be honest. If Elijah just fell down and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I was reading this week about in Texas years ago, their governor visited their, the largest penitentiary in Texas, and it was where they had the lifers and the and and he talked to them all and and and, had, and he said, I'm, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to stay after. And he said, if you anyone like to talk to me, he said, anything you, we talk about will be in confidence. I'm not going to. But if you'd like to talk, we'll talk. Well, he stayed and about 15 or 20 of them lined up. And one after one, they come before him. And they, every one of them, you know, everyone in the jail never did it. They're all innocent. Now, I'm not saying there ain't some there, that all, but I'm talking about they ain't all. Anyway, and every one of them, bro, just said, well, I got set up and I was framed and the, they planted evidence on me. And, 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 and you need to, and, and anyway, the last man to come through, he looked down and said, Mr. Governor, I'm your guilty man. He said, I'm guilty. He said, I did what I was sentenced. The crime I was charged with, I committed. He said, I've been in here for over 30 years, though. 
And he said, you can look at my record. He said, I've tried to make, he said, I've tried to do right. And he said, I, I did that crime. He said, but if you let me go, he said, I'll leave and I'll try to be the best citizen I'm going to be. And when the governor left, he pardoned that man because he was the only one who had acknowledged what he had done. Now, what's God Elijah does? He says, oh, Lord, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. He's bragging about himself. Now, I want to tell you this. Past accomplishments do not justify present apathy. He said, oh, Lord, I have been. Do you see that? I want you to know, I'm not trying to diminish what you have been for Lord. I'm not trying to diminish what I have been for Lord or anyone else has been. I'm not trying to make light of what this church has been for the Lord. But what matters is not what we have been, but what we are. Right. Elijah said, I have been very jealous for you, Lord, in a good sense. And, and in fact, he wasn't lying. He had been. But, but that's not what the Lord asked him. What you, he says, what doest thou here, Elijah? How many times we get convicted about something and I believe the devil uses that sometimes. Boy, you've done this, you've done that, you were here, you've done that. You don't need to worry about it. You've done enough, you've done enough. And, and by the way, the Lord didn't come pat Elijah on the head and say, oh, you're such a good little boy. And let me tell you, every time God speaks, it ain't just uh, sweet little uh, whispers in your ear tell you how. I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes the Lord has to just sit us down and ream us out and tell us exactly what's wrong. But Elijah said, I've been very jealous. For Lord, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with a sword. I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Here's his rationalization. He said, I'm not as bad as they are. He, he said, he tries to compare his righteousness with Israel's unrighteousness. And basically, God is saying, Elijah, that doesn't have anything to do with you. In fact, Elijah was acting like them. When they slayed the prophets, when they, when they broke down the altars, when they forsook the covenants of the Lord, what were, they, what were all those acts? All those things were acts of disobedience and, 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 and against the word and the will of God. Now, now, Elijah hadn't slayed a prophet. Elijah hadn't broke down no altar. Elijah hadn't forsaken the covenant. But I tell you what Elijah had done. Elijah had ran out of the will of God. And, Eli and by the way, what does it matter which side of the will of God you're out of? You say, well, I'm out of it to the right. Or I'm out of it to the left. Or I'm out of it to the north. Or I'm out of it to the south. It don't matter if you're out of it. You're out of it. Success sometimes is the worst thing that can happen to people. They get out of the will of God and they start and they, and they get a promotion. The devil says, see, God's, God's, God's still happy with you. And they make more money, they make more money, they make more money. I want you to know now, you'd be better off broke in the will of God as rich out of the will of God. Amen. And physical blessings and, and, and monetary gain is not a proof of the blessings of God. The God of this world can also pull the strings of this world to make sure that you stay out of the will of God. And, and Elijah, he says, Lord, I, I'm saying that because how many times do we act the exact same way where we try to rationalize our life, rationalize our choices, and we talk about other people, what they've done. Well, Lord, they've done this and they've done that. I've never killed a prophet. I've never broke down an altar. I've never done this. I've never done that. But, 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 but here's the thing. Elijah dodged the question. He never answered him. 
interrogation, rationalization. Then look, verse 11. He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. We see there's visitation. The Lord passed by. So in the first time the Lord passed by this mountain, in Exodus 33, Moses was up there praying for the people of Israel, saying, Lord, don't kill them. Interceding for them. And, and, and he told them there in Exodus 33, I think, verse 10, he said, Lord, if you go with me, if you're going with us, bid us to go. But if not, Lord, bid me not to go. What he was basically saying is, Lord, if you're not going to go with me, I can't make it. And he asked the Lord a question. He said, Lord, show me thy glory. And the Lord hit him in the cleft of the rock. And he passed by. And the Bible says he's seen the hinder parts of God. And God showed uh, uh, Moses when he come down off the mountain. His face was glowing so bright they had to cover it with a veil because nobody could look upon him because he had been in the glory of God. And oh, listen, this is a hundreds and hundreds and, and even maybe, I don't even know, I didn't look in my Schofield, but I'm talking about centuries later in the same mountain. And I believe in the same cliff, in the same rock, the Lord passes by again. Amen. Yeah. I'm just saying tonight what we need, if we're, not, if we're going to go on and not give up, we need the Lord to pass by. Amen. Yeah. I think about the wonder of it. The wonder of it. What is the wonder of it? Elijah was not on fire for God. Elijah wasn't serving God. Elijah was not right with God. But the Lord passed by anyway. Amen. Yeah. Oh, aren't you glad the Lord passes by us even when we don't deserve Him to pass by us? Yeah. Amen. Oh my, listen, I, I remember as a 17-year-old boy, I, I was so backslid, I was so bitter, I was so away from God. I was sitting in, the, it was in July, about this time of the year, now that I think about it, it would have been real close to right now. And uh, I just got a phone call, and, and it was the, and, and what had happened was, uh, my sins had found me out. And I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, it was bad. And, uh, and uh, I sat at the end of that bed. I'm talking about a little twin bed. I, we had it for years with the kids. They broke it and drew out and grew it. His feet was So anyway, I don't know where it is now. But, but sitting right there at 4179 Fuller Road, a little rebellious 17-year-old, almost 18-year-old teenage boy who despised and, and rebelled against his parents and hated the church and made fun of people that went to church and had gotten in sin and gotten in trouble that day. I mean, just me there alone. I, I got down on the floor in that little double-wide trailer and the Lord of heaven passed by that room that day and He forgave me right then and restored me right then. Now, I went to the church and asked for it to be restored. I went to my parents, my youth, everybody else. But I'm telling you, right then, the Lord restored me right then and I did not deserve it at all but thank God he passed by anyway and I want you to know tonight what we need is the Lord to pass by again if I had what I deserve in this church we'd never have it happen again but thank God the wonder of it is this he don't just pass by the good ones and he don't just pass by the ones that are always right but he'll pass by people like Elijah Lord pass by the wonder of it, the way of it. I'm not going to read it, but you know what happened in verse 11 and 12. At first, there was a strong wind. It was a strong wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
But listen, just because he wasn't in that wind doesn't mean he ain't ever in the wind. Because in chapter 18, verse 45, there was a wind and God was in that wind when it brought rain. And then there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake, but that don't mean the Lord can't be in an earthquake because Exodus, uh, Exodus 19, 18, 19, the Lord come down on that same mountain and the mountain trembled. But then there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But just because the Lord was not in that fire don't mean the Lord's not in all fire. Because in chapter 18 and verse uh, 30, uh, verse number 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. He was in that fire. But the Bible says this, that I'm also in place. It says that after this fire, a still small voice. The Lord was in the still small voice. Now all I'm trying to say is this. We do not need to miss the Lord and miss His visitation and miss His will because we put Him in how we think He should show up and how He should work. If we're not guilty, we'll think that if there's not somebody preaching with sweat running off of them and, and their eyes bugged out and their heart pounding and, 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 and right on their shingles, then God, God, I've been, now I'm telling you, when, when I was raised, that's, that was it. If a preacher didn't, I mean, just absolutely rip and I'm talking about, I mean, just go ballistic. If he didn't, I mean, then, then he never did, he wasn't preach. He ain't got, he ain't got, he ain't got, got on. Now listen. The still small voice, God chooses how He manifests Himself to us. And here the Lord showed up to Elijah. And we do not need to miss the Lord because we are enamored with wind, fire, and earthquakes. I like wind, fire. I like when God's in that stuff. I've been in it. I mean, I have. When, and I like it when it's like that. But I want you to know where God is also. He's in the, in, the, in the secret place. He dwells in the secret place. That's what the Bible says. He's in those, those quiet times. He's in that. And, and uh, I, I hate to use my purpose. I just, it just, these things just come to my mind. Uh, my first year uh, when I was at Bible college, I, was, I hated it worse than I hated any, anything I've ever hated in my life. I despised it. I just, I, it made me sick thinking about it. And I, and I done told my daddy, I just can't take this no more. This place is dead. It's still dead. And there ain't no preaching going on. They're trying to teach me grammar. I don't need to know grammar. I, I want to learn about the Bible. There ain't nothing in this Bible that says noun, verb, prejudice, 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 preposition. Uh, there ain't, I'm sorry. There ain't nothing in the Bible that's got anything. And I, they made me take history of civilizations. I thought, what in the world? And I was ready to give up. The Lord knows I want to give up. And I, I was so sick. And I remember I got I had a little two-wheel drive Toyota Tacoma green regular cab. I mean, little bitty old truck. And I went up there and I said, Lord, if you don't talk to me today, I'm quitting. And the Lord, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, that all I did was open my Bible and start reading. Philippians, I'll never forget Philippians 4, 7 and 8. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, my prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all knowledge, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And it was just as real in that truck that night, that day, as any experience I've ever had in my life. I was late to class, but it wasn't because I'd overslept. I just didn't want to leave. And I'm telling you right there, then in that quiet place, in that secret place, just me and God, it doesn't have to be a famous preacher preaching. There doesn't have to be a big singing group singing. It can be in your home. It can be in your car. It can be anywhere. God can speak how he, how he chooses. Amen. Amen. The word of it, Elijah heard it. The Bible says, verse 14, 13, Elijah heard it. He heard it. The only way to hear a still small voice is to be quiet yourself. The devil likes to keep our lives in an uproar. The devil loves chaos. He loves, he loves just, and our world is a chaotic world. It's chaotic. Running and ripping and roaring and going and doing. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. I'm not throwing rocks. I live in a glass house. I understand all that. But if we just find time to get quiet, we might could hear his voice. Chances are, if you've not heard that still small voice in a long time, if you do an inventory on your life, if you'll do inventory on your life, you'll find that there's too much going on, too much noise, too much commotion, too much. And you say, well, Martin, what do I, what, 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 what can I stop? What can I not, what, how do I choose? Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get to a place where you can hear that still small voice. In verse 15 through 18, there's a revelation. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness. He said, Go back the way you came. You know, if you want to get right with God, the only way you get right with God is to go back the way you came. He said, Retrace your steps. Go back to the last place where I'd sent you. I want you to see this. I'm, I, I, I've got to hurry, but we see God's plan was revealed to Elijah. God revealed his plan. And I want you to know tonight, God's got a plan for your life, He's got a plan. And he's going to accomplish his plan in your life. The Bible says faithful is he that calleth you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Right. I had a preacher friend. He's doing a Bible institute. And, he's, and he's, he, asked, he sent out a text message to a bunch of pastors. I don't know why he included me, but he did. And he says, name one thing that, I can, that, that, you, one thing that has helped you not quit. And not give up. And all I responded was 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. The only way you can continue on is realizing it ain't you that's doing it. It's the Lord. And he's the one that's going to see it. I want you to know, Elijah, God said, Elijah, I got a plan. Now, I remember what Elijah was worried about. He was worried about his life, right? He said, they're going to take my life. Who was the one who was trying to take his life? Ahab. And he was worried about the people and their sins and the, and the condition of Israel. And this is what God's plan was. He said, Elijah, go back. He said, go back the way you came. He said, I want you to go anoint Hashiel, I believe that's what he said, verse, uh, yeah, Haziel, to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. You say, well, Martin, what's that got to do with Elijah? Here's what it's got to do. You don't anoint a man to be a king if there's not to be a about to be a change in who the king is. God told Elijah, I got a plan. I'm going to take care of Ahab. He ain't going to get you. I'm going to get him. 
I want you to know not God's going God's going to accomplish this. Well, he's going to get it done. Elijah could have sat there and tried to figure it out and try to plan it out and try to <coughs> strategize and get you know. But God said, Elijah, you do what I tell you to do and I'll take care of your enemies. I'll take care of your adversaries. I'll take care of this one. And, and God, but basically God was telling Elijah, you don't have to worry about Ahab anymore. I got his replacement ready. God's plan. He revealed to him God's plan. He revealed to him something about God's man. Verse 16 he said, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, I don't know what, how that is, but anyway, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. God revealed to him about his plan, but he revealed to him about his man. God had a man already. Now, a little bit of this might have been humbling for Elijah because he said, I'm the only one. But God said, Elijah, you're not the only one. In fact, I got your replacement already ready. And I want you to know, and, and we got to all remember this, what's going on in this church, this, the work of God didn't start with any of us and it ain't going to stop with any of us. Right. If they call you tonight and, and something happened to me, y'all have to have, I hope that's going to happen, but if it does, uh, if it does, just postpone my funeral and let the kids go to Disney World before they come back. I mean, mean it. I mean it. But I got news for you. The church is going to go on. And, 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 but not only would it have been a humbling thing, but I believe it would have been an honoring thing to Elijah because I believe with all my heart, probably one of the greatest fear of every real man of God I've ever known was the fact that they feared that when they died, their work would die with them. And, I, and God said, Elijah, when you do die, I've got somebody who's going to take, your, take up your role and fulfill your ministry. God's plan. He talked to him about God's man. Verse 18 Yet I have left, these, left me 7,000 in Israel, all these which have not bowed and bell, in every mouth which hath not kissed them. So he, he revealed to Elijah some things about his plan. He revealed to Elijah some about, but he revealed to him some things about his clan. He said, I got 7,000, Elijah. You said I ain't got one, but I got 7,000. 7,000. Now that ain't as many as they got, but it's better than nothing. He's telling him, Elijah, there's a whole bunch out there like you. And I know we, you know, a lot of times we think when you think about the church and this church and us and in and, and comparison, even in comparison to all these mega big churches and all these things in the world, we see, but I want you to know we're not the only ones doing it tonight. God's always had a remnant. In fact, Paul in, in Romans 11, don't get nervous, but he called them and he spoke about this remnant, talked, talked about their election. They were a chosen people, a chosen remnant that God had, had called out from the apostasy of Israel, had called out from all the evil, and he had, he had him a people. And God, listen, God always has had him a people. Amen. And we don't need to think tonight that we're the only ones, that we're, that we're here alone, and that, we're, that, that somehow that, that we're the only... God said, Elijah, I want you to know that I've got 7,000 of them out there who have not bowed. And, and after this, Elijah went on. In fact, verse, verse 19 says he departed. And he went and did exactly what the Lord called him to do.